Hey friends, welcome to Anchored In Always. I'm Katie Thornhill, and I've been through the storms of marriage infidelity, drug and alcohol addiction of a loved one, and even loss of a child to cancer. In this podcast, I will share with you how to place healthy boundaries in your relationships, how to recover from past hurts using the principles of Christian recovery, and how to find healing even in the loss of a loved one, so that you can live a life of joy and purpose despite your circumstances. If you're ready to find freedom and victory, then join me on a journey of soul restoration as we anchor into Jesus. So pull your hair back, strap on your boots, and grab your Bible, and let's weather this storm. Welcome back to Anchored In Always. So on today's show, I actually have my first repeat guest, and it is my my very own dad, Pastor Mike Stambaugh. Um, I am so excited to have him back on the show. If you didn't get a chance to listen to our first episode together, um, that was really incredible. And honestly, one of the uh, episodes that I've done that I've gotten the most feedback on, um, which is why one of the reasons I wanted to have dad back on the show um, was just so many people found encouragement in his words. And in that episode, we had talked about um, who we are in Christ and what that really means. And that was a powerful episode. So if you haven't listened, go back and check that one out. Um, But today I think is going to be just especially um, powerful. I know that there's just so much anxiety going on right now um, in our society with just things going on around the world and with COVID and just political tension. And um, for our family personally, when we went through our fierce storm, um, two, well, over two years ago now, it was, um, July of 2018 that our youngest son, Marcus was diagnosed with an inoperable brain cancer. And, um, at that time, of course we were in shock and and devastated, but, um, the Lord brought to, um, my husband and I, a verse right away, right in the very beginning, shortly after he was diagnosed and it was Hebrews 619. And that verse said, you know, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where the forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. And that verse um, was just really a lifeline for Josh and I um, as we battled this cancer for the next two years. And um, we we clung to that. We put it on Marcus Strong t-shirts and on wristbands. And that really helped us keep our focus on Jesus as things, you know, um, ended up declining and declining and taking turns um, for, for the worse. So I wanted to have him back on the show um, today so that he could share with you a little bit about uh, what that verse really means. What does it mean to be anchored into Jesus in the storms of our life, in the hardest times of our lives? Um, and I'm going to have my dad back on the show fairly often. Surprise, dad. Um, and I like to call these little episodes that I'm going to have with my dad faith talks with my dad. And so this is going to be one of many faith talks with my dad. And so dad, welcome back to um, Anchored and Always. We're so glad to have you back on the show. Well, thank you, honey. Um, and I'm really glad to, to be back. I'm always glad to be able to do something with you and uh, always encouraged. Uh, you know, I've been listening to your other podcasts and following some of the people you've had on there and just listening to the things that that you've taught. And, uh, and I think it's just, uh, it's always encouraged me because we always teach best from our life experiences uh, blended with scripture. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're more passionate about that when we see how the how how the scripture has affected our life. And so I've enjoyed uh, enjoyed listening to you. And of course, being your dad, I got to tell you, there's a little bit of pride there. And just uh, you know, this is my my daughter, and and because uh, I'm proud of all of my kids, and and uh, so I'm just excited to be able to do this. It wasn't an expectation of mine. I never thought I was going to be on here with you. Uh, That's been a thrill just to be able to do this with you. So I'm grateful that um, I've gotten reactions to my sermons before, but uh, a lot of times I wasn't invited back. So um, I'm grateful this was a good good reaction for, for your benefit. I'm grateful it was a good reaction. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I definitely got a lot of great feedback and I think people were very encouraged um, by your words and just your, um, the way you speak them, but your knowledge of the Bible. Um, people need that that sense of security and and know that they're hearing truth. Um, and so it's definitely an honor to have have you on the show. And like you said, it's it's a lot of fun for me as your daughter. You know, you and I have these talks all the time, but now to be able to have a, a platform where we can have the talks that we have and then share them with other people and bless them is, is exciting. Um, so dad, I wanted to start out with um, just looking at that verse, Hebrews 619 that I read. Um, how, how does this verse, this passage truly give people hope um, in times of suffering, especially? What does that really mean um, to have hope in Jesus as our anchor? What does that mean? Well, very good. It's a good, that's an excellent question, honey. And I'll tell you what, for those that are listening, uh, you might want to hit the pause button right now and go get your Bible and then just open it up because we are going to just do a little Bible study on this. And I promise that I'm going to keep it brief, but I think it's important. Uh, I'm using the ESV and the ESV just has a little different uh, uh, slant on it. And it says this. So Hebrews 619 in the English Standard Version says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Now, what's important in that verse is we have to identify who or what the this is. In other words, he said, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor. Well, what's the this? Because whatever the this is, is what gives us a sure and steadfast anchor. And I love those two words. And some of you know, I kind of enjoy doing this, Katie, because in, in the in the funeral at the memorial service for Marcus, I didn't want to go into words and study. I, that wasn't the purpose of it. The purpose at that time wasn't teaching. The purpose of that time was comfort and encouragement. But I think there's so much here, and and, and the, those two words, sure and steadfast, are so powerful. The, that word sure comes from a Greek word that means to be secure, to be safe, uh, unfailing. It implies that it cannot falter when it's put to the test. So whatever this is, it is sure. It is it is unfailing. It's it it gives us a security. It doesn't falter when when it's put under test or pressure. And then it's also steadfast. And that word has to do with firmness and stability of that which doesn't break down or break apart uh, under a heavy load. And that becomes the anchor of our soul. So whatever the this is gives us security and stability no matter what we go through. And I think that the writer of Hebrews here identifies 
what the ver what the this is in the very next phrase. He says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. And then this phrase, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Now, uh, for those people who may be listening who are newer to the Bible, let me just real quick say, you say, well, you know, you may be saying, well, what, what the world, the curtain, what's the inner place, all this stuff. So let me just give you a real quick on this. The curtain here refers to the tabernacle uh, and the inner sanctuary. The inner sanctuary had two rooms in it, and they were divided by a curtain. The first room was called the holy place, and in the holy place, there were some articles of furniture, like the table of showbread, the lamps, uh, the, the lampstand, and the altar of incense. And into the holy place, the priest would go in, whoever were on duty, the priests that were on duty that day would go into that room, they'd go in every day. The second room was called the most holy place. And that or the or the holy of holies. And that is the place where the Ark of the Covenant was. The Ark of the Covenant was representative of the very presence of God. And only the high priest could go in there, and he could only go in there once a year to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat of the ark so that atonement could be made for the people of Israel. Now you can read about that in Hebrews 9, 1 through 7, and also the Leviticus 16. So our anchor is a hope. All right, so let's go back now to the to the to the anchor and the hope. Our anchor is a hope. That hope is what gives us surety, um, certainty, steadfastness, all of that. So the question that we have to answer then is this: uh, What's the hope? All right, and uh, I think we need to talk about hope just a little bit because most people's definition of hope would not be the biblical description of hope. I think often we think of hope as wishful thinking, mm -hmm. you know, like, for instance, uh, as I get older, I say, I hope it doesn't snow this winter in Michigan. Um, that's probably not going to happen. Or, you know, people who play the lottery. Oh, I hope I win the lottery. That's not biblical hope. That's just wishful thinking. Uh, biblical hope is really uh, closely related to faith. As a matter of fact, they're almost synonymous in that the difference is that faith has to do with the present and hope has to do with the future. Mm -hmm. So if you do a study on hope in the New Testament, you'll find that hope is already always related to future things. It is a hope is a confident expectation that something that God has promised in the future is going to happen. It's a future faith that we can count on. Now, what is this hope? Because this, this is what we got to be anchored into, okay? And I think it relates to two things. I think, first of all, this hope relates back to verses 13 through 18. And that's why I kind of asked people who are listening if they want to get their Bible, um, you know, so that they could follow along. But I, I want to read that. And I'm not going to make a lot of comment on that. But I just want to read it because, again, we're, we're trying to understand this verse in the context where it's set. But you go back to verse 13 of Hebrews 6, and it says this. And, and, if you, and if you're following this today and you have your Bible open, I always encourage you to get a pen or a pencil and circle keywords. So I want you to notice how many times the word promise and swear and oath come in just these short verses. Verse 13 says, when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to whom to swear, he swore by himself saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. 
For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things. Now, what are the two unchangeable things? The promise and the oath, or some of your versions may have the pledge, a pledge. So by two unchangeable things, his promise and his pledge, his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope. There's our word hope set before us. Now, verse 19, we have this. Well, what's the this? The this is the promise and the pledge, okay? It's the promise and the pledge. Our, our hope is what God has promised and pledged to us. And here, really in this context, it's, it's on eternal life. We can count on it. It's sure. It's stable. It, it's not going to fail. You know, what a, what a blessing. I mean, I, I remember, you know, you uh, and Josh talking about that in Marcus's last days. Um, matter of fact, uh, yeah, in his last days that you used to whisper in his ear, you're going to be with Jesus soon. You're going to, uh, you're going to be in heaven soon. It, you, know, the, you know, the pain's going to be gone and the sickness is going to be gone. Well, how, how did you have confidence in that? What, what, what was the certainty of that? What was the security? How could you securely tell your seven-year-old son that he's going to be with Jesus soon, that the pain's going to be gone, that he's going to be in a place called heaven? How could you do that? It's because God had made a promise and a pledge. There was a, a promise and an oath, and that's our hope. Our hope is in what God promises. Our hope is in what, what God pledges. Okay, that's one aspect of the hope. I also think that the hope refers to something else. I, I think the hope also refers to a person, and the person is Jesus Christ. And I think we know that because it says that the that in, in verse 19, it says that the hope has entered into the inner place behind the curtain, verse 20, and identifies what that hope is, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. We know from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 through 12, that Jesus has entered the inner place. It says that when Christ appeared uh, as high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, that's his body, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, those two rooms, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, that's what earthly priests would offer, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. So Jesus is our hope. And by the way, that's not unfamiliar. Jesus is referred to as the believer's hope in a, a couple of other places in the scripture. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1, 1, he, he identified himself. He said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by command of God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus, our hope. And he wrote to Titus, and he said in Titus 2.13, he said, we are waiting for our blessed hope, referring to the coming of Christ, the rapture of the church. He said, we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when we look at this verse, Katie, our anchor is the promises of God and the person of Christ. Mm -hmm. 
And that anger brings to us security and stability into our lives in the worst of life's storms. Uh, it doesn't matter what we go through. Jesus Christ and the promises of God are our hope and the anchor of our soul. So, you know, when you and, and Josh and Hannah and Isaac and Marcus, uh, when you went through what you went through, Jesus was your anchor. He was your security. He was your stability through the ferocious winds of adversity and suffering. You know, uh, I know that when you went through that, uh, it's, there were days that were just hard. There were days that were terrible for you. There were there, But can you imagine, see, you can't even imagine because you can't make the comparison. Imagine that if you'd had to go through those days without Christ. Imagine if you'd had to go through those days without the promise of a future. Uh, imagine if you had to go through those days not knowing if your son wasn't going to live. Where would he be? Would you ever see him again? What gave you uh, security and steadfastness was the promises that God had given to you and the person of Christ. And that's what this verse is all about. And it's not just true uh, for you guys. It's true for any who are devoted followers of Jesus Christ, that, uh, that he is your security and your stability through the most ferocious winds of adversity and suffering that you could ever face. Um, what a blessing that is. What a promise. I mean, you know, what a great verse that God just put on your Josh's heart to be able to, uh, you know, uh, just solidify you through this whole journey that this two year journey that you went through uh, when you first got the di diagnosis to the time that Jesus took Marcus to be with him. So I think that's an encouragement for anybody listening. You know, if you're a devoted follower of Christ, these promises and, 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 and the pledges are for you. And Jesus Christ is yours. And I, I mean, this is our hope. And it's what brings this, this uh, stability and security to our lives completely. So that's, to me, more of a, a breakdown of, of what that verse does and how it really, how we really can anchor in to Jesus Christ and also the promises that he gives to us. Yes, Dad. Um, thank you so much for just going into the background of those verses, like in context and um, breaking that down even more for for me and for the listener. And and that is so true. That is what I've what I've experienced myself was that um, that you know it, you don't just wake up one day either with that kind of um, faith in a sense that it it takes you know, knowing, building, having an intimate relationship with Jesus, um, and reading in his word and understanding, like, you know, um, for years prior to this, you know, I have a daily quiet time and I spend time in God's word. And so when this storm hit, um, I was anchored into Jesus, um, and ready, you know, in the sense, not that you can ever really prepare for something like this, but I, but I was, I was, and Josh was because we had, um, we had an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the person that gives us hope. And we, we knew his promises because we read them in the Bible and, um, time after time after time. And I think, you know, we did stand on those when everything else around us, um, you know, what did not look good. Marcus continued to decline. The news the doctors gave us was not good. Um, you know, and we could see it with our eyes and we didn't feel good. It hurt. It was painful to watch him, you know, go through this and to, 
to not know, you know, exactly when, you know, how much longer does he have with us physically, um, um, have all, all those questions that was so painful, but at the same time, we knew that we knew that we knew, we just knew in our, our spirit, because the Holy Spirit's in us that, that God was in control, that no matter what happened, no matter what we're seeing in front of us, and no matter how our feelings are in any given moment, it didn't change the character of God and it didn't change his goodness and his sovereignty. Um, so it may not feel good, look good or, or anything, but it doesn't change his goodness. And, and we could cling to that. We could cling to that. And, um, I think that's one thing, you know, I'm, I've learned through some of these hardships in my life is that Jesus has to be, uh, over everything in my life. And even counterintuitive as a mom, he has to be over my children. I have to be seeking him um, first and foremost. He has to be over my marriage. Um, and because honestly, he he is the only thing in this life. Your My salvation, um, his promises will never leave me. Um, mm -hmm. I could lose other, you know, I could lose other things in this life, but I will never lose my salvation and my um, faith in Jesus. Like that is it are things that I can cling to. And so, yes, you know, to be anchored into him is, I can't imagine having gone through that, um, without faith. And I did see many people in the hospital waiting rooms that didn't have hope that you could just see it in their eyes. There was just a desperation beyond sadness of what they were going through. There wasn't hope. And, um, and so I hope that, you know, the listeners listening to this uh, episode today really dig into this into this passage and seek that and and can reach out to me um, through the anchored and always um, community page and if you have questions you know we'd love to answer your questions yeah. Um, yeah, you know honey that interestingly when you're talking about the the, the security I remember just come to my mind I remember and I'm going to be careful because a lot of things come to my mind you don't want to hear them all on this but um I remember a guy describing insecurity, and I never, and I, I, I've always remembered insecurity comes when we build our lives around people, possessions, or hobbies that we can lose. Yeah. Security comes when we build our lives around that which we can never lose. That which we can never lose is the word of God and Jesus Christ. And I thought, what a beautiful thought, you know, and I, you, you watch people who build their lives around things that can be taken from them. And then when it's taken from them, they're just such an, you know, and they're fearful of that. They're fearful all the time. I'm, I'm going to lose my money. I'm going to lose my health. I'm going to lose my children. I'm going to lose my marriage, gonna lose, uh, you know, and um, those are all things that are potentially that we can lose and that can bring insecurity. So, yeah, that, it's just uh, terrific to be able to be anchored into Christ. I love that phrase that you guys use. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly why I, when, you know, I was thinking about naming this podcast, that name anchored in always, you know, because yeah. I truly desire to be anchored into Jesus, anchored into my faith always, no matter what happens. Um so dad, I just wanted to, uh, shift a little bit, uh, to just your personally, um, if you're willing to share with us personally, how you anchored into Jesus, um, even maybe as you wrestled with God a little bit, not that your faith wavered, but that you, you might've wrestled with God as a grandfather, um, and as a father, um, having to watch not only your, your youngest grandchild, um, suffer and, and ultimately die to this disease, but also having to watch me, your daughter, um, 
have to suffer watching her son go through this. And um, just how did that impact you? And and how did you anchor into Jesus um, during that time personally? Well, yeah, you know, it was um, th- th- it was one of the more difficult times in my life, mainly because, um, you know, from Marcus's perspective, I, you know, cancer's bad at any age. It's bad at any age, but it it just there just seems to be more of a devastation when you're talking about children. Uh, you know, uh, I lost uh, my parents the last two years, your your grandpa and grandma. Uh, but our memories of them are behind us. They're just all behind us. We look back. I mean, uh, grandma was 89 years old, you know, grandpa, or I, I should say mom and dad, it was your grandpa, grandma, it's 89 years old, dad was 88 years old uh, when they passed away. But, you know, there wasn't a lot of future left, okay? Um, but that's not, that wasn't true with Marcus. You know, our memories of Marcus were predominantly future, uh, what 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 could have been, what should have been, what what would have been. And so I think there was a great struggle with that. And there was a great struggle just watching this uh, guy who used to leap off from tall buildings with a single bound, uh, suddenly f- fighting so many physical things, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and yet his attitude was so great. Uh, I probably have to confess that my struggle was more with you than with Marcus, uh, because I knew that Marcus was safe in Christ's hands. I knew that whatever purpose God had established for Marcus, he was going to fulfill uh, in them. I think my struggle was more watching you struggle, um, and, and because my struggle with you was the same struggle that you were having with Marcus, and that was the feeling of helplessness. Mine was just on a smaller scale than yours. Uh, and I watched you and Josh struggle with that. I, you know, I knew Josh from this perspective. You know, here's a guy who's in medicine. He's a physician assistant, very skilled, loves what he does, very passionate about it, couldn't do a thing for his son. Yeah. You know, here, here are you, uh, his mother, you birthed him, you carried him in your womb, you gave him life. Uh, you, you've always been there. I mean, I, you know, I know, honey, from the time you were five years old, the only thing you ever wanted in life was to be married and have kids. Mm-hmm. You know, that was your main goal in life. And here you are with your youngest son and you can't, you, you can't do anything to help him. You've always fixed their boo-boos, right. you know? But in the in the in the same sense, maybe on a smaller scale, um, here I am as your father, always always wanting to fix your boo boos, right? And I can't fix your boo boos. I mean, I, I there, there just was this feeling of, of helplessness, and and I, as you and Josh felt helpless to be able to help Marcus, I I felt that same kind of helplessness um, in being able to help you. Uh, for myself, uh, how I personally anchored into Christ, uh, um, I think that anchoring into Christ w- and walking through adversity comes down to your view about God. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say that people better have a good theology about suffering and not wait till it happens. Yeah. And when I say your view about God, I'm not talking about some abstract concepts about God. 
I'm talking about views about God where the rubber meets the road. And, and there are three aspects of my theology that really sustain me through this and really sustains me through anything uh, that I would go through. And I, there's more than three things, obviously, about God. But these are three things that just, I don't know, they're just very dear to my heart. First of all, is that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And what I mean by that, and that's probably the, that's probably the prima donna of all of them. Uh, and what I mean by that is he rules over everything, the most minute of details, everything from the smallest to the greatest. Well, there's just some great scriptures, and man, we could be here all day if we started looking at those scriptures. But, you know, I, I think of Psalm 22, 28, where it says, for, for kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over all the nations. Or Psalm 47, 7, that God is king over all the earth. But one of my favorites is Isaiah 46, 8 through 11, where God says to Isaiah, remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind. I love that. He says, hey, listen, when, you, when you're in trouble, when you're in doubt, think about this, Okay. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I declare the end from the beginning. That's pretty. What he's saying is everything that happens from beginning to end, I declare it. Okay. And from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, and my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. My purpose, even verse 11, of calling a bird of prey from the east. Or a man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. L listen, uh, everything in our life has been laid out by God every single day. The psalmist David said in Psalm 139, verse 16, he said, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. That's not a fatalistic view. Uh, we still have responsibility, but he's saying, look, at God's not caught off by anything that happens in our life. You know, when Marcus got the diagnosis of cancer, God wasn't in heaven saying, how did that happen? You know, I mean, he, he knew those things. He, he understood those things. Matter of fact, according to this verse, God had determined that Marcus's length of life on this earth was going to be seven years. He didn't die a day too early, he didn't die a day too late, even though in our minds, like, oh, he never got to live a full life. But this is what God, this is his sovereign rule. And even though uh, it's not fatalism, it's not just saying, well, what's going to happen is going to happen, so there's nothing we can do. There, there's this tension in the Bible between divine sovereignty and human responsibility. Even though God is ruler over all and controls, controls all things, we are to pray. Um, and and somehow God tells us our prayers affect him and, the, and, and that we get answers to those prayers. Well, we prayed for Marcus. We prayed, everybody prayed. You have thousands of people praying. And, um, but God's purposes always prevail in these things. And I, I love the fact that when you, when you just cling to the sovereignty of God, you know what? When you cling to the sovereignty of God, the word accident is not in your vocabulary. There's no such thing as an accident because these things are known and, and determined by God. He is sovereign. Secondly, what anchors my faith is that God is faithful. He's dependable. He's reliable. 
he always keeps his promise. I'm unfaithful. I, I, so many times I'm just, I'm, I'm not reliable. I'm undependable, especially in my relationship to God. Uh, he's just not that way. He never shows up late, you know. And again, you got so many scriptures. Uh, Psalm 145, 13 says the, the Lord is faithful in all his words. We just saw that in Hebrews, the passage we looked at. Uh, I love the one, and I know you know this well, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where Paul said, no temptation or testing. Same word for both. No temptation or testing has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted or tested beyond your ability, but will with the temptation or testing provide the way of escape that you may be able to, to bear it. Um, so in other words, you can count on him. And that's important when we go through trials and sufferings and adversity. And then the final one, Katie, for me that I anchor in is that God is good. God is good. The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He says in Psalm 100, verse 5, the Lord is good. Psalm 136, 1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. We have Paul's promise in Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Here's the kicker on this, though, the catch, all right? You can't ever define God's character or attributes by our own standards or definitions. God is good not because of how we measure goodness. He is good because he declares himself to be good, and he cannot lie. So we may look at something and say, that wasn't good. I mean, listen, it was hard for me. It was hard for you. It was hard for Josh to look at Marcus having cancer and then Marcus succumbing to that and to somehow say there's, there's good that comes out of that. But, you know, we say that not because we define what good is but because god is good and he always does the good thing and though we don't understand that i'm anticipating that when we get to heaven we're going to understand the goodness of god more than we ever understood before we must trust his goodness even when something doesn't look good by our own standard because even god said to isaiah he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways. So for me, it's that God is sovereign, it's God is faithful, and God is good, and, it's, and, and, and I just cling to those things. Yes, Dad, um, I couldn't agree more. Those are honestly the things that, that I've clung to, um, and, and people have heard me say over and over again when they've asked, you know, um, how did you how do you still have faith? How do you, you know, are you not angry with God? And, and those are the things that I respond with is that, oh yes, I wrestle with God in it. You know, I still, um, wrestle with him at times like why, you know, why God, why Marcus, why, why us, why could the outcome have been different? Um, but I always go back to, um, and I think this is the process of lament that I've talked about in another episode is, is, you know, crying out to God and, 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 you know, bringing him our, our questions, our doubts, our fears, our, um, those, those, our humanness, our flesh, you know, bringing that to him because we have a personal relationship with him and we can, and he cares. Um, and so bringing that to him and, and really, you know, laying that at his feet, surrender. That's, you know, what I think about Josh and I had to, at, towards the end there, we just had to come to a place of surrender, um, where, you know, our, we prayed for Marcus to be healed this side of heaven. And when it didn't look like that, that was going to be 
uh, the outcome, we we had to choose to just lay Marcus at, at God's feet, knowing that, you know, we trusted God. We trusted God more than what we, we were seeing in front of us um, because of what you said. He is good. He is sovereign. Um, and he is faithful and we clung to those promises. Um, and it did give us peace. It did. And, you know, we still obviously are grieving and miss Marcus and wish that things were different. And I think that was very important. What you said too, is not measuring God's goodness or situations in our life by our definition as finite being, we are seeing how God has used, um, our suffering and our story to give people perspective and to um, point them back to him. Uh, he's He's using that. And I'm thankful for that because um, it gives purpose to our pain uh, to, to know that when we share our story with people and, and it has an impact on their lives that, um, you know, that honors God and it honors Marcus's legacy, honestly, too. And that makes us, that gives us comfort. Um, so yes, I love all of that. Dad, uh, for time's sake, I was going to ask you um, in closing, if if you had any last thoughts you wanted to just share with a person that's listening today um, and they are just really struggling. They are struggling to find hope. Um, they're a believer, but they're going through a hard time and they're just struggling um, to anchor into Jesus right now. What final thoughts would you um, close with? And then if you would just close with prayer over the listener today, that would be wonderful. Sure. Two things that come to mind, Katie. Number one is this, never stop praising and thanking the Lord. Mm. Never stop praising and thanking the Lord. You know, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. Yeah. Does that mean in the death of a child? Yes. Does that mean in the loss of health? Yes. Does that mean in a troubled marriage? Yes. Does that mean when somebody becomes president that we didn't want to become president? And by the way, that's both a Democratic and a Republican statement right there. Yeah. Uh, yes. God says here, give thanks. Now, what I like about that is God says, give thanks. He didn't say here, be thankful. And I, I, I may be quibbling about words here, but I think there's a difference between the two. I think giving thanks is an act of the will. And I think being thankful is an emotion. So when you choose to give thanks, you will eventually become thankful. Mm -hmm. yeah, when you choose with your will, the emotion will follow. So never stop praising and thanking the Lord. And the second thing I would say kind of ties into what I said under your second question, and that is memorize and meditate on scriptures concerning God's sovereignty, God's faithfulness, God's goodness. I only gave a few scriptures today. There's just tons of scriptures about all these. And I say to do that so that when difficult times come, and by the way, can I say to those who are listening, diff difficult times will come. It's not a matter of when, uh, if they're going to come. It's just a matter of when they come. So that when those times come, you have the biblical arsenal to meet those difficulties. They, they become your bedrock. They become your foundation. You know, our, our, life, our life is like a house. And the ability of a house to withstand a violent storm has mostly to do with the foundation that it's built on. It doesn't have to do with the shingles because they're going to blow off. It doesn't have to do with the siding because that can blow off. It doesn't have to do with the windows or even how pretty the shutters are. That's not what's going to keep a house lasting through a violent storm. It is the foundation that house is built on. And I want to close, Katie, by reading what Jesus said at the end of 
the uh, Matthew 7, when he said, uh, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And of course, Jesus is the rock. The rain falls, the, the floods came, the winds blew, and they beat on that house, and it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You know what's interesting about that? passage is that both the foolish man and the wise person um, encountered the same severity of things in life. Mm. Sometimes we think when we come to Christ that that puts an immunity over us that we won't experience the things that unsaved people do. No, you know what? What demonstrates our faith to the loss is that we experience the same kind of things, the winds, the rains, the floods that beat upon our life. We experience the same kind of things. But the difference is our house doesn't fall because of the foundation that it is built on. The one who builds on the right foundation their house, their life stands. The storms of life, and this is important, and I said this to you before, the storms of life only reveal what foundation a person has built their life on. That's all they reveal. A person isn't going to lose their faith. It's just going to reveal what kind of faith they have. Mm -hmm. And so that would be my encouragement for them. Praise and thank God continually and memorize and meditate on scriptures concerning his sovereignty, his faithfulness, and his goodness, so that when those storms of life come, you can anchor in in something that besides yourself. Right. Um, and I think that's important. So thank you so much, honey, for letting me share those things. And I know we've been a little, little lengthy again. It's just, uh, you know, I just love uh, the word of God is just powerful. And when you release it, it affects people's life. So let me just pray for those who are listening. And uh, so we can close this. Father, I am just grateful today for this opportunity. First of all, just to uh, be able to be with my daughter. Uh, I'm extremely grateful and thankful for what you've done in her life and Josh's life and Hannah and Isaac's life. And how you sustain them through adversity. Uh, how you've sustained them through the storms of life, severe. I thank you also, Lord, that as they give testimony to that, they are encouraging others who may be going through storms right now. And Father, I pray for those who are listening, that whatever they may be encountering, I pray they would anchor into the promises and pledges that you have made and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, to know that that doesn't mean there's not going to be storms in their life. It just means their life is built on solid rock foundation. So thank you for your truths. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. Thank you for this time that we've been able to share your word. And Father, I thank you for the promise that you say that when your word goes out of your mouth, it doesn't return to you empty, but it accomplishes the purposes for which you said it. So accomplish your purposes through your word today, I pray in Jesus' name. so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it and would like to connect and learn more, join our community on Facebook at Anchored In Always. I will put the group link in the show notes. You can also email me at katie at anchoredinalways.com. 
Lastly, I want to bring this message of hope and healing to as many hurting people as possible. So help me spread the love by sharing this podcast on your social media outlets. Another way you can do this is to take a quick minute and subscribe and leave me a review. Thank you for anchoring in with me today. God bless you as you weather your storms.